country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. And welcome to Right Now, the official podcast of the New Right Network. I am your host, Ryan, and with me today I have a very special guest. It is Heidi Harris, and as she calls herself, a real Vegas baby in broadcasting from KMZQ in there in Las Vegas. That is 6.70 a.m. in the mornings. Heidi, how are you doing today? Great to be with you guys. I'm so excited. Great to have you. I uh, We were talking a little bit before we you know got on here with the interview, and we were talking about Nevada politics. It's so entertaining for the rest of us kind of watching it because it's such its, its own animal, I think. What well, do you think that makes this unique? Yeah, you know, it is its own animal. It, certainly, Nevada's like a lot of other places where there's corruption and graft and this and that and the others. And t- to a certain extent, ours is more out there than other places. Uh, you know, it's always been funny to me when the GOP doesn't want to have a convention here because there are prostitutes, as if they can't find one in Dallas, right? So there's that part of that. And uh, people are pretty unabashed about some of the behavior here in Vegas. But we also have a lot of similarities, like I said, graft and corruption and other things that a lot of people can relate to that are going on in their own communities. That when you start to see what happens in Nevada, you realize it's happening everywhere. Absolutely. And I, I also mentioned it to him. His name escapes me off the top of my head, but it gets brought up literally anytime that you're talking about Nevada politics in this last uh, primary about that guy who was a literal pimp yeah. who was, like, ran the bunny ranch and had the show on HBO and he's running for office. And I can't remember if he did win or he was going to win. I can't remember how that turned out. I can't remember when he died. He brought, won the primary and died after having spending, spending the evening with a 26-year-old hooker. Dennis Hoff was his name. Wow, that'll be a great thing to tell St. Peter, won't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know not all is bad and um you know uh what do you think as far as nevada goes why is it for anybody that may you know live on the east coast or somewhere else and not very familiar with hey i thought nevada was uh, nevada sorry i'm gonna be nevada like banana want to honey that's okay but, but nevada that's, a, that's like a cowboy state with gambling why are they voting democrat what's happening it used to be well what's happened is a lot of californians have come here fleeing the bad policies in California. Now, there are plenty of Republicans who come to Cal- to Nevada who actually care about keeping things consistent. They're conservatives, they want to get out of California, and they wanted to come here for some kind of you know refugee status, basically, financially. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people who made California a complete cesspool, and they can't uh, understand cause and effect. Remember that movie, you've seen Blazing Saddles, right, where they put that gate up? If you drive to California from Nevada, there's a an agricultural inspection. They actually stop and make sure that you don't have fruit. Now, they don't care about Nevada because we get our fruit from them. But they want to make sure you're not bringing fruit in from Wisconsin or some other place. They could potentially have something on it, right? So they'll stop cars from out of state and inspect them. What they ought to do is put a gate like the Blazing Saddles gate on the northbound freeway from California and stop people and say, okay, you with the U-Haul, why are you leaving? Oh, you're leaving because you can't live in California anymore? Do you understand why you can't live in California? Do you promise you will not vote for the same policies again? Yes, otherwise we don't let you pass. I mean, honestly, I'd love to do that. This is California politics. (laughs) Pretty good. 
Exactly. What gets me is they don't understand cause and effect. And they just don't want to stick around and fix it. They just want to come here and they buy houses cheaper here. And unfortunately, now they're turning Nevada into California at a rapid pace. It's pretty scary. Right. They're bringing the peace, love, kumbaya and taxes to Nevada. Right. Absolutely. Fees, taxes and all that. And they'll say, well, it wasn't as bad in Cal- as, as California. I don't care. I don't want to be as bad as my mother lives there. She's got a paid for house and it's tough because all the taxes and fees and all, all the things that destroy you in California, it makes it very, very hard. And so that's why people move here. Absolutely. It is it really uh, Nevada is Nevada is a great place. And there's a lot to do. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the next presidential election? Do you think that it's going to continue on this liberal trajectory? Or do you think Rick Harrison's right and, you know, it's going to go back red? I hope that Rick Harrison's right. He's a great guy. I've had him on my show many times. A very, very nice guy. Very smart guy. Scary smart guy. Uh, but, you know, I hope he's right about it. I think that Nevada was a state that, that Trump should have won. But there, unfortunately, there's a lot of influence still from Harry Reid, who's still alive. I thought he was dying. I'm not advocating that he die. But he's still influential somewhat in politics, and he's as treacherous as the day is long, as you know. So he's still there. And I'll tell you the truth. We have some weak leadership in the GOP in Nevada. We just do. And our so-called GOP leader actually said after the election, well, you know, it just wasn't our year. What? You know, get off the stage. Stop glad-handing with Donald Trump and actually do something to make sure Republican candidates get elected. We've got to have good people, and we've got to work really, really hard to get their message out there. That's what needs to happen, and unfortunately, uh, we dropped the ball on that, and the state turned blue. But here's the thing. When the state turned red a few years back, and it was completely red, everything, legislature, governor, lieutenant governor, all of that, the state turned red. I remember saying to myself that night, because I was at the party at the hotel, and they were walking around singing, you know, happy days are here, kid. I'm thinking, "Uh uh-huh, I want to see what you do with it now that you have it. And they raised taxes. Our governor, who the first term had run as a conservative, second term, he raises taxes, $2 billion. And the Republicans went along with him. Almost all of them, hook, line, and sinker, they couldn't wait to raise taxes. And the only person who'd raised taxes more than that was the previous Republican governor a couple of terms before that. So nothing like Republicans to raise taxes. Well, that's uh, that's not great to hear. But, you know, I'm glad you said that about that party leader saying, oh, I guess it wasn't our year. That's indicative across the country about Republicans need to learn from Trump and get that killer instinct that the Democrats have, or they're just going to keep getting trounced. That's exactly right. It's not about having parties. It's not about standing on the stage with the uh, president. It's not about any of that. It's about bringing Nevada home for Republicans, and we really need to do a great job of this. It. about rolling up your sleeves and getting work done. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to do the work, and you don't want to get the good candidates. Or if you do get the good candidates, you don't want to give them the support they should get. So we get the same tired old people, and then people get disgusted. The voters get disgusted with the way they behave. I have a friend who was running for city council, for example. Great guy. I've known him a long time. He's a business owner. He understands. He gets it. He should have won. He didn't because he didn't get the support. I don't think he had a great campaign. Uh, it wasn't his fault. I don't think he had great campaign management. But great guy. I would love to have seen him in city council. He's the kind of guy you need on the city council. And those are the kind of people that you need in government in general. The people who will go in, try to make a difference, understand what it's like to be a business owner, and then you know go back to their business at some point. Instead of people who get into government and never leave. You know how they are. Oh, yeah, we see it across the spectrum. Heidi, I guess um, I was so, I, you know, really, I kind of put the cart before the horse in this interview because I was so wanting to ask you about uh, 
that one politician that died in the primaries to get that out of the way. Because I know that all the listeners out there are immediately going to think, Nevada, Nevada, let's hear about this. Like, I'll, I'll get that down, by the way. But that's fine. And, then, and listen, there were conservatives who supported Dennis Hoff. And, and I'm sorry, the man sold women. I don't care who you are. I don't care if it's legal. There are plenty of things. Now, I'm big on social issues. You may know that about me. And the fact that something's legal does not make it moral, does not make it right. And I will never defend that. No, absolutely. I'm in total agreement with you. Uh, but what got you originally interested in all this? And how did, I mean, what chain of events led to you having your show there? I mean, you know, in the beginning. Well, how did I, it happen? I started listening to talk radio probably in my 20s. I was still working in a casino, so I was a little early for listening to talk radio. I just couldn't take DJs anymore with their dirty jokes in the morning and rock and roll music first thing. So I started listening to talk radio to a couple of uh, kind of old corny guys, but at least they weren't, you know, I don't know, I listened to them. And then I started listening to other talk radio. And my mother said to me at one point, you should listen to Rush Limbaugh, you sound just like him. I'd never heard of him, but my politics were the same. And so I started developing, I was, I was a singer on the road. By the way, I'm giving myself a shameless plug. I wrote a book, it's called Don't Pat Me on the Head. All this stuff's covered in the book. But um, anyway, so I, it was kind of a circuitous route to say the least. I was a singer for years and I would do that and fill in at radio stations. And I basically got my shot initially because somebody I knew knew someone who ran a station. So she put me on for free in the middle of the night and believe me, I was worth every dime. And so I did that for a while, and then I went to a better station where I felt that I could get some coaching. And so uh, and that led to me, you know, doing part-time, fill-in, all those kind of things. And I was on mornings for five years with a guy. My plan was never to do mornings, no slam to him, but I didn't want to be a co-host. Sometimes that's a great situation, sometimes it's not. It all depends, as you know, on the situation. And so I did that for five years, and I went out on my own, and I've been on my own for, um, except for a very brief period in L.A. when I was... Uh, uh, had some people hoisted upon me. I don't want to badmouth them. I'm not going to badmouth them. But I went to LA t as a solo host. And then very quickly after I got there, they stuck me with a couple people, one who was fresh out of rehab and one who'd never done a daily show in market number two. Um, so other than that, I've always been a solo host. And that's what I've been doing now. So it'll be 20, 21 years in uh, September. Hard to believe, huh? Well, uh, I would have to say that even though I was very, very young um, and I actually got it a few years after it was originally printed, I do think that one of the most influential books on me politically ever written was Rush Limbaugh, The Way Things Ought to Be. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a great book. And, uh, and I had read a lot of things. It was funny. When I used to be a singer in the lounges and I would travel various places, I would always be dragging books around and reading, you know, whether it was Robert Bork or Thomas Sowell or things like that. So because, you know, once you're... When you're a singer, the intellectual stimulation is over as soon as you learn the lyrics. I did not want to make that a career. I did it for a while. I was glad I did. Had a good time. Never planned to do it long term. You know, I'm not gorgeous. I don't write. I didn't think I was going to be a big star. I just did it to get it out of my system because it was fun. And But I would read and keep myself mentally stimulated in other ways. And then I was doing both for a while. And ultimately, I did started doing radio full time. I mean, I literally used to work in, in Vegas on a stage till 1 o'clock in the morning. I'd go and sleep in my car for an hour, and then I would get up rhinestones and everything and go do mornings for the morning guy until I you know, was working my way up. See, the thing is, though, you can't do that now. They won't hire a weekend guy. They won't hire a part-time person. I don't know how anybody gets into talk radio anymore. I guess you could start by podcasting, and there's nothing wrong with podcasting. A lot of people do it, and they do it very successfully, but it's impossible to get in the way I got in, literally for free in the middle of the night. No one's going to give you that opportunity anymore. And it's very sad because when I got in, 
there was a morning guy, there was an afternoon guy, and there was a weekend guy, and it was usually guys, and I don't care about that, but it, that's the way it worked. And I had a weekend show of my own, a local weekend show for a while till they paired me up with this guy on mornings. So I don't know how people get into it anymore. I really don't. It was mostly, you said it was mostly all men, like the Ron Burgundy type of thing, huh? Well, that's okay, though. See, I like men. I, I, I like working around men. It doesn't bother me a bit. I, I'm used to being at a table. There'll be eight men at a business meeting, and I'm the only girl. Fine. I'm sure, fine right. with that. It bothers me a bit. <laughs> no, I, I think that, but, but I, do, I do think, and I don't uh, get off on this too much, but I do you know it's, I think that, you know, it was probably different back then. And so, I mean, I definitely think, you know, it took something to get where you're at, and you do a great job. You have a great voice for radio. I mean, you really do. Oh, wow. And that's um, tremendous, huh? I don't think about it that way, but thank you. I, I know it's distinctive, people tell me, but I, I don't know that it is great, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, I know people have really beautiful voices, like these people who can narrate and things like that, and I, I definitely don't have that kind of voice, but thank you. Well, so here's the, I guess, going back to Nevada after we kind of where how you got here, um, one of the most interesting things, and I, I kind of compared it to Colorado before we got on the interview here, because they're both very similar. You have this huge crush from the West coming out, the liberal blue wave, and they're coming in contact with the locals that live there. And I think what you're seeing is the culture war right on your front doorstep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's terrible. I, it really is. Now, as you know, pot's legal now. I talked about it on the air endlessly when they were trying to make it legal. And I had experts on from Colorado who've done a lot of research and study and all that kind of stuff. And I talked about it, talked about it. You know what? Let's be honest. We know what the truth is. The truth is that people who are quote unquote respectable just wanted to get their hands in the, in the pockets of uh, the people who want to smoke pot. That's all it came down to. They wanted respectability. Let's go back to the fact that it's legal doesn't make it moral. Hey, lied 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 they lied and said the money would go to education it didn't a little bit of it goes now but only after they had to change a bunch of things they lied about the black market which is alive and well they lied about the problems that it would create they said oh it's gonna everything's gonna be fine see here's the thing i know you get this but maybe some people don't the fact that you make something legal doesn't take all of the bad element out of it let's take prostitution for a second if you make it legal and it was legal at one time downtown in Las Vegas, but many, many years ago, like back in the 30s, I think. But if you made it legal on the strip and you put a nice house there and you had the pretty girls there who were drug tested and all these things, which is what happens out in Pahrump, although some of those girls are a little rough, but they're at least drug tested and what are and, and you know, VD tested. Even if you make it legal, you're going to have people in alleys behind that place doing things for $10. A lot of people don't want to spend $1,000 on a girl at a brothel out in Pahrump or even if it were legal on the strip and there are plenty of hookers walking the strip. And so you don't take the development the out of vice by making vice legal. A couple of um, years ago, I was sitting in a casino, a major casino in Las Vegas on a Sunday afternoon with a couple of women who were in the life. One of them's Annie Lobeer, Hookers for Jesus, wonderful woman. Another one is Annie Dunwald, who wrote a book called Dancing for the Devil, because she was in the clubs and things like that. And she, they both, those, both those girls worked to get girls out of the life. And I was also there with a woman from at Women at Risk International. We were sitting there on a Sunday afternoon in a major casino in Vegas, and the girls would walk by, and I would say to Annie, both two, two Annies, I'd say, is that girl working? She'd say, yep, is that girl working? Yep, is that girl working? Yep, they can see it in their eyes. They know the way they walk. They know the way they're dressed. And this is going on all the time. 
and nobody talks about it, but you haven't taken any of the bad element out of it by making it legal. You think you can feel good about yourself because it's legal. It doesn't take the trafficking aspect out of it. We have a case right now in Las Vegas where a fire captain lost his job, ruined his career because he went on some website, I'm not gonna mention it, you know what it is, went on some website, had a girl show up at the fire station, okay? I pay for that building. On a at the fire station? No, I pay for that building and I pay for that mattress. He has this girl come in at the fire station, service him for 45 minutes and leave. Well, it turns out she's 15, not 22. Now, I don't know that the guy thought she was 15. I really don't know. I can find a 15-year-old to make her look 22. So I don't know, and I'm sure they didn't have any deep conversations about world events. So I'm not going to hold him accountable for that. But the fact is, he's doing this on my dime. On you know, how, why don't you clean a fire truck or something? What are you doing? And so, but here's the thing: the judge actually said, "This is the thing I talked about today on my show." The judge said to him when he sentenced him to probation, which I think was fair. The guy's career's over; he's been damaged. But the judge said, "I'm so sorry for what happened to you." Now, I don't know what the judge said to the young lady. I want to be fair. I don't know. I did not read the court transcript. But for the judge, this part was in the newspaper. But for the judge to say that, nothing happened to this guy. He didn't get hit by a drunk driver. He wasn't one of those motorcyclists in New Hampshire who got mowed down the other day. Nothing happened to him. He made stupid decisions. And does anybody think it's the first time he's ever done this? Ordering girls online? Where's the emphasis on her? The emphasis should be on the victims. And the victims of trafficking are the girls. This young lady was 15 years old. I don't know much about her. We really don't know virtually anything. 15 years old. Somebody's trafficking her. Someone's responsible you, you to take care that. of her. And this time I, I need, I need to make sure this gets said because that's very true. Uh, somebody two weeks ago was talking about Nevada and they were saying that it is uh, one of the states with the highest rate of human trafficking in the entire country. It is. Absolutely it is. It's a Mecca and a lot of these girls are underage and they're being trafficked by somebody. I mean, I, I see them. We're driving home from work every single day. There's a particular street in town. You may know where it is. It's Tropicana. Uh, the strip, there's New York, New York there and the Excalibur's there and all that. It's Tropicana. It'll go westbound. You go about half a block from the strip and there are all kinds of girls walking, street walkers, not looking real good. I see these girls. I'm broken hearted for them. I want to rescue them. I can't. So trafficking is terrible. You're selling human beings. Now, I've had women on my show, prostitutes, madams, who've said to me, hey, stay out of my life. This is my business. I want to do this. How dare you come in with your morality? Okay, fine. I get it. I understand that you, know, you feel like this is something you want to do. All right. It's still immoral and it hurts people. And these girls are abused. And even when they work in the brothels, many of these girls have pips that's something people don't know a lot of these girls will work in the brothel for two weeks they'll go home they'll give all their money to some pimp and then they'll go back to the brothel and work another couple of weeks everybody acts as if the bad element is eliminated the minute you make it legal that's not true it's still immoral no matter what you do nobody can also tell me that those sex workers you know you have all these sex worker unions now and everything you can't tell me that it's psychologically, if nothing else, psychologically not damaging to these girls to be put through that for years on end. Right. Well, I, what's, I, the reti what's the retirement program in yeah. prostitution look like? What is the retirement program? It, it breaks my heart and it goes on all over the world. And, and the th sad thing is most of these women have been abused. The vast majority of them have been abused and they feel dirty already. One of the girls I talked to was Annie Dunwald 
who wrote a book called Dancing for the Devil. She's worth talking to. She's great. And she talked about the fact that, and she's very open about this, that when she was about 13 or 14, she got molested on a bus driven uh, where the team that her father coached was all on the bus. Her dad was in the front sleeping. She's in the back trying to go to the ladies' room. Somebody grabs her, and she felt dirty. She didn't tell anybody because she didn't want her father or the team or anybody to get in trouble. So she didn't tell anybody. She just felt dirty. And for years, she got involved in a terrible lifestyle. A lot of these women feel dirty. And I asked Annie, I said, so when you're on stage and you're finally in charge, and you stand there with your high heels and they're looking at you and they're drooling and you decide what they get to do to you. I said, but I bet that's really empowering, isn't it? Because now for once you're in charge. And she said, absolutely. So it fits that psychological need in women to say, ha ha, now I'm the one calling the shots. You're not. That's part of it. The other part of it is it's just not conceivable to me that a woman would want to sell her precious body, let strangers put their hands on her. You can't be psychologically uh, normal and want to do that. It's just terrible, but I've talked to women who've done it, but it breaks my heart. If you really felt like your body was precious, you wouldn't be doing that. Now, that's not a decision for me to make for other people. I'm not saying that, but for a society to go ahead and uh, embrace this or for the judge to say, and once again, maybe he said something different to the girl. I don't know what he did with her, so I want to be fair. For the judge to say, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Are you out of your mind? Nothing happened to this fire captain. What happened to that girl? That's what I'm sorry for. This 15-year-old girl, who's trafficking her? Who's taking care of her now? Uh, yeah, it's a sad situation we hear time and time again, and I hope that it does get you know addressed. But I think that a lot of it has to do with the, obviously, prostitution as old as humanity. But I do think that I that we're in a very sharp moral decline in the United States, and we're truly, you know, more and more every day. That's commonplace. I mean, how long is it going to be before prostitution goes legal? I mean, I could see prostitution going legal in the state of California in a second. Yeah. It, so it, it might. You know what? Society is not defined by what goes on there because there's evil in every society because human beings are evil, right? There's graft, corruption, uh, sexual exploitation, animal abuse, whatever. Society is not defined by what happens. Society is defined by what they accept. And nowadays, it's just out in the open. You know, things that people used to sweep under the rug or at the very least weren't proud of. Now they go, yeah, what are you going to do about it? This is my lifestyle. This is what I do. I do drugs. I do this. I do that. I'm hooking up. I don't care what you think about it. There's no shame anymore. That's what's really sad. That's the thing. There's no shame whatsoever. There's no morality. There's no I, – I, um, I openly say this on the show a lot. I think that – um that we've lost our religion in the West, and I think that basically without that, um, it's it's been a downhill slide ever since. Yeah, it's true. I have a friend who's an apologist. He's written some great Christian books. His name is Frank Turek, a great guy, and his attitude is that sex is the new religion, and I think he's right about that. You know, people want to do what they want to do, and they don't really care who cares about it. Well, and, you know, now we've got, you know, Pride Night at the local baseball field, and it's going on all over the country and all these different things. It's all about sexual politics, and people have made sex religion. It's kind of a shame. Well, I know uh, this is a very famous quote that's been used a lot to kind of describe the morality in the modern world, and it was said over 100 years ago by the, the great horrible Satanist, Aleister Crowley, said, do what that will be the whole of the law. It's about self-worship, and I really kind of believe that that's exactly what we're living in today. It's just people worshiping themselves and their own desires. Absolutely. But, uh, but I hope that you guys, you keep fighting the good fight. After this conversation, I know for a fact we're going to ask you back on, because I know people are going to listen to this. They're going to have a ton of questions, because not every time you talk about politics do we talk about dead pimps, do we talk about... <laughs> 
<laughs> but I will say this. If on that show, um, on the History Channel with Rick Harrison and the Pond guys, when Rick Harrison needs to call a political expert, he should call you onto the show. Oh, that's funny. Rick, no, Rick's a great guy. He's been on my show many times and very, very smart. Here's the crazy story. He and I actually went to the same junior high in San Diego uh, years wow. ago. Different years, but isn't that funny? That's a weird coincidence. But yeah, super scary, smart guy, super nice guy. And he's always fun to have on. And uh, he, everybody loves him in Vegas. And he's just a great, great guy. Well, Heidi, if people are looking for you um, out there in the interwebs, where would they find you at on your website and also your social media? Yeah, HeidiHarris.com. That's the main place. I'm on Facebook, Heidi Harris Show. I'm on Instagram, Heidi Harris Show, although not very much on Instagram. Uh, tw Twitter actually froze my account. I'm using a backup one. Don't even worry about it. Just HeidiHarris.com. And my book. My book, Don't Pat Me on the Heads on Amazon. I worked hard on this book. And it talks about not only about how I got into the business, but some crazy stories I have. Uh, if you Google me, about half the stuff is true. Uh, that they say, but the I, I was fired for various reasons that are kind of funny. Once I was fired for something I didn't even say, even though it was on tape. Once I was fired for making people mad because of something I posted on social media, which I will stand by. And so the book is really more encouraging than anything else about how you withstand the scrutiny and the abuse that you get doing what I do for a living. I did cable news for years. I did uh, you know, MSNBC and Fox and CNN and all that stuff, hundreds and hundreds of times for about 10 years. And more than that. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I talk a little bit about what it's like to do it behind the scenes and the abuse you get on Twitter and those kinds of things. And so anyway, don't pat me on the head. Great title, huh? Anyway, that's my book. My latest. Everybody go out and buy Don't Pat Me on the Head by Heidi Harris on Amazon.com. And also, if you are looking for us, we're at www.newrightnetwork.com and find us on virtually every bit of social media. That is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Parler, uh everywhere at new right network one word new right network thank you for joining us as always and see you next time bye you've been listening to new right network mobilizing countering energizing online at newrightnetwork.com <laughs> <laughs>